Here at Life Tree Community Church, we like to say anything's possible. The greatest challenge for us in all the world is to be made right with our holy God. Jesus actually said it's easier for a camel to walk through the eye of a needle than for us to be made right with God. We don't have what it takes, but God does. And if God can make things right between us, there's nothing he can't do. With God, anything is possible. Good morning. How are you? You doing well? It's good weather today. I am speaking today because Pastor Dan and Anna are on vacation, which is a great thing. And uh, so pray for them. Pray that they will have a restful time there. And I think Pastor Kevin and Pastor Nikki are leaving tomorrow for a few weeks on vacation. And so you guys can pray for them, too, which also means that Carrie and I are the only pastors left this week. So don't do anything stupid or you stuck with us till Saturday. OK, so take it easy. <laughs> I'm joking, but I'm kind of serious, please. So this morning, we are continuing a series on Moses called Love Lifted Me. This is part three. If you've not uh, been able to hear uh, Pastor Dan speak on the first two, you want to go back to the podcast because they've been really great messages. And we're going to pick up today where he left off uh, two weeks ago. Also, another unfair thing that Pastor Dan did to me, he's making me speak the week after Ability Tree Sunday. So not fair. I would love to have Ability Tree Sunday every Sunday because it was awesome. And uh, that team was amazing. And so, But here I am. You have me. And I uh, just want to give a little bit of a review. What I'm speaking on today is Exodus 4 through 14. Uh, the good news is I'm not going to read all 10 chapters to you today. Uh, but I'm going to focus a little bit on what I think just kind of the jumping point is for all of these. But let me give a little bit of a review. Uh, these chapters are full of amazing things supernatural miracles and wonders, and some of them are even terrifying because we're going to talk about the plagues uh, a little bit. If you know the story of Moses, you know this is kind of what's next in this story. Uh, God speaking to Moses, God tells Moses that he has heard the cries of his people and that he is choosing them to lead them out of, choosing him to lead them out of slavery in Egypt to a land he has prepared for his people. He charges Moses to confront Pharaoh, tells him that he's not going to agree So he's going to send some terrifying wonders his way to help persuade him. And God does so by turning rivers into blood, frogs, gnats, flies, killing the livestock, boils, hail, locusts, darkness, and the killing of the firstborn. And our our message today will lead us all the way up to the Passover. And it's here within these chapters that the Israelites are instructed to kill a lamb and put its blood on its doorpost, which is a foreshadowing for what Jesus does for us on the cross. But I want to read kind of where our focus will be in these passages today. Exodus 4. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Exodus 4, 1 through 8. And I think it's going to be on the screen this morning. And picking up right up where Dan left off after Moses has an encounter at the burning bush. And God is calling Moses to do something great after Moses has been kind of on the run for 40 years. This is what Moses says. Verse 1. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? Will you say this to me? What's in your hand? Come on, say it with me. What's in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff 
and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back, as so many of us would probably. Then the Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. So Moses reached out, grabbed it, and turned it back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Perform this sign, the Lord told him. Then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, really has appeared to you. Then the Lord said to Moses, now put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out again, his hand was white as snow with a severe skin disease. Now put your hand back in your cloak, the Lord said. So Moses put his hand back in, and when he took it out, it's like the hokey pokey, like put your right hand in. Okay, never mind. You guys could laugh, please. Please laugh today. So Moses put his hand back in, and when he took it out again, it was as healthy as the rest of his body. The Lord said to Moses, if they do not believe you and are not convinced by the first miraculous sign, they will be convinced by the second sign. How many of you wouldn't have a problem if somebody threw down a stick and it turned to a stake? A snake, you would be convinced, right, that it was, okay? But there's a second sign here. If they don't believe you or listen to you or even after these two signs, then take some water from the Nile River, pour it on the dry ground. When you do, the water from the Nile will turn to blood on the ground. All right, then we're going to skip to Exodus 6. I'm going to read a few more verses. This is, that, those first set of verses was God talking to Moses, and then here's God talking about the Israelites as a whole. As a whole. Then the Lord told Moses, verse 1, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. When he feels the force of my strong hand, he will let the people go. In fact, he will force them to leave his land. God said to Moses, I am Yahweh, the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty. But I did not reveal my name, Yahweh, to them. And I reaffirmed my covenant with them. Under its terms, I promised to give them the land of Canaan, where they were living as foreigners, You can be sure that I've heard the groans of the people of Israel who are now slaves to the Egyptians, and I am well aware of my covenant with them. Therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression and will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. I will bring you into the land I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as your very own possession. I am the Lord. What happens next is really amazing. I like that. What happens next is really amazing because Moses, under God's direction, goes and confronts Pharaoh. Can you guys pray with me one more time? I know we prayed a few times here, but let's pray just specifically for this time that we're hearing the word of God today. Jesus, we love you in this place. And we thank you for your word. Your word is better than any publication on this earth because it's life to us. We ask you in these next few moments that you would speak to us, that you would change us, that we wouldn't leave here the same. And we ask that your word would do what your word says, that your word is a seed, that our hearts are good soil, that your word would go down deep in us and produce fruit in our lives. Change us today. In your name we pray. Amen. I had, at 10 years old, my own Moses moment. I delivered my neighborhood from the neighborhood bully. You guys, you guys are a little serious today. You're supposed to laugh at that part. I said that in my notes. I want to share with you the story today about that. 
10 years old. I grew up in Youngstown, Ohio. A couple weeks ago, we shared on stage uh, where we're from, me and Carrie. But I grew up on the south side of Youngstown and uh, in a neighborhood called Buckeye Circle. It's kind of a lower class to middle class kind of area. And I'm really proud of where I came from. But we were talking to our rooted youth the other night about what we do on our summer breaks. And I love summer break because it meant that I could get out of the house on my bike and go play sports in my neighborhood from sunup to sundown, as long as I was home for dinner or my mom would be mad at me. And so my summers were spent playing a lot of basketball and a lot of baseball, a lot of football in the neighborhood. And my backyard was the was like the arena for that to happen. And uh, one day, uh, we were playing, we decided to play baseball. We played wiffle ball. You guys know what wiffle ball is? Yeah, it's just baseball, but it's plastic. <laughs> okay. Kids are afraid to get hit, I guess. And so uh, we had a lot of fun playing wiffle ball. And uh, so we, were, we decided that we were going to play at my friend Tony Rivera's house. Maybe related. I don't know. Maybe related. And so we decided that day we were going to play. We gathered a bunch of people that day to play. We were having a lot of fun. But then a guy by the name of Tommy Sullivan showed up. He has a name that's a bully name, isn't he, right there? And Tommy was the neighborhood bully, and not a bully from 2017, but a bully from the 80s, 1980s. He was steal your lunch money, put your head in the toilet, shove you in a locker kind of bully. And he was older than us. He was like three years older than us, and he had three brothers, and everyone was scared of him. And we were playing this game, we could see Tommy coming our way, and you could hear almost like an audible groan because we knew what was about to happen. Tommy made his way into the game. He decided what team he was going to be on, even though it would make it uneven. And he began with every at-bat and every catch and every run to just make fun of everybody. Okay, And he just began verbally to harass. He was a really annoying. He had a big, fat mouth. <laughs> and we, we didn't like Tommy at all, but we were all very scared of him. So I remember it just kept going on and on and on and on. And Tommy was the catcher. So he was behind home plate as we were playing. And then it was my turn to bat. Tommy kept talking about what I was wearing and my sister. And suddenly he said something about my mom. Yeah, uh uh-oh. Uh-oh. I was only 10 years old. Tommy's like 13. He's a football player. At the time, I was a really scrawny kid. But I remember I was up to bat, and it was like in a movie. You know in a movie when, they, when things start to slow down, and the voices are like, talk, like talking like this? And suddenly, I just had this focus, and I looked down as I was up to bat at what was in my hand. It was a wiffle ball bat, a really skinny yellow bat. And I remember as he said that thing about my mom, I just kind of turned like this. I didn't even know what I was doing. Now, before you hear this, just remember this was before I was a pastor. I was 10 years old. Have grace on me today. This may be the last time I ever speak, but this is okay. I remember that I took that bat, and before I even knew what I was doing, I looked at my hand, and I swung it as hard as I could, three feet away, right into his big, fat mouth. I know. Pray for me today. I don't, I don't know what came over me. And in that moment, I looked down at Tommy, and he looked up at me with wide eyes, and blood started coming down his nose. 
and out of his mouth. And when I saw that, I had wide eyes. And I love, you know, I don't know about you. I don't know how honest you are today. There are moments in life where I wish that I could go back and build a time machine to go change something. Now, I know a lot of people believe, like, hey, I am who I am today because of all the things that I've gone through. I don't believe in that. I wish there were certain moments I could go back to make better. Here's where I wish I could do this here. I would love for this story to end differently, but here's what, here's what happened. If I could go back and have a time machine, I wish that I would have stood over Tommy, pointing my bat at him, and gave like a very sandlot kind of speech about how we're all, this is our neighborhood, and you're either with us or you get out of here, Tommy. And I wish I would have picked him up, and we would have hugged, and then the next scene would have been Tommy would have been playing with us. That's not what happened. I'm not very proud of what happens next, but I want to tell you this. This is my Moses moment. This is as close as it gets for me. When I saw the blood run down Tommy's face, I kicked him in the chest. (laughs) Because the next thing I did was run really fast away from Tommy. (laughs) And I ran. I dropped my staff. (laughs) I dropped it. And I ran as fast as I could through the backyards and ran. I didn't know where I was running, but I just kept running. And I remember when I hit him, there was an audible groan, like everyone, or a gas, everyone. <gasps> and it felt like forever, but it was, this happened really quick. So I don't know what I was thinking. I kicked him, I ran, and I ran into my friend, Anthony Rivera, Tony Rivera's house. I'm, ru- I'm literally running in the house. Our moms are saying, stop running. And I ran all the way to the furthest back bedroom that I could get to. This is, again, not what I'm proud of. It was a dark bedroom. I remember this. And I started to cry. <laughs> I don't know why I started to cry. Again, I wish I could go back and, and do this. And I remember that I stayed. I was so emotional. I thought, he's going to kill me. He has three older brothers. My life is over in this neighborhood. And it took, it took my friends about 20 minutes to find out where I had gone. And finally, Anthony, Tony Rivera comes in. He says, Dre, Dre what are you doing in here? Why, why are you crying? <laughs> Good question. Why am I crying? I don't know. And he said, that was amazing. Tommy ran home crying. He's not been back here. We've been playing. We've been waiting for you. Come on out. And from that day on, my identity changed in the neighborhood. Whether I planned it or not, I changed from just being who I was to a protector and to being loyal. I remember Anthony said, come on out. You know, really, the circumstance that changed, he's not waiting for you anymore. And so for the rest of my life, really, that's who, I, who I've been to people. I don't know if it was that moment or whatever, but this, I think this story has a point to what I'm saying today. It really does. I want to talk to you today about identity, what your identity in God is, and how Moses' identity was changed through these experiences. I never saw Tommy again. That's, that's not true, actually. I saw him one time in a car. We were passing by. He was in the back seat, and I was in the back seat. And I realized it was him because he was, he was using a finger to point me to heaven. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, maybe, I think, yeah, maybe he found Jesus in that moment. So, probably. Probably worked out. I'm sure Tommy's a good husband and man of God or on death row right now, either one. So, 
silly story today, but it really just ties into what I want to talk to you about today. I think that this story of Moses in these next few chapters is really about God talking to Moses and the Israelites about who they are and who they belong to. I've been a pastor 16 years in my life, and some of the some of the challenges that we run into sometimes, some of the challenges I've run into as leading people, and even in my own life, is that we come into certain seasons of life and we forget who we belong to and who we are in God. And Moses and the Israelites have these moments where God is reminding them, hey, I'm your dad, I'm your father, and this is who you are because of it. So I want to talk to you about three things real quick today. Just that we can pull out of this message. The first one is this. Love lifts us out of our identity crisis. Love lifts us out of our identity crisis. Moses, this, is, this point is about Moses. Moses struggles when God calls him to lead the people out of Israel. Do you guys remember what he says? He says, hey, I'm just a shepherd. And in that moment, he's holding in his hand a staff. That represents who he is. It's a shepherd's staff. If you'd have known what a shepherd's staff would be, it had been about six feet tall. It would have had a crook at the top. And Moses, probably when he ran out of Egypt, probably found that stick because he began to be a shepherd. He went from being a prince to a shepherd. He was on the run. He was there out in the wilderness hiding from his mistakes and his shame. So he probably never, he probably had this stick for a lot of years. What did it represent for him? Well, it represented financial security for him. It was his job. It represented relational security because he worked for his father-in-law. He used it to protect himself against animals while he was doing his job. He used it as part of his job to lead the sheep. That staff was his identity. Will you guys say identity with me? When we find Moses in this moment with God, Moses is having an identity crisis. God is saying, this is who you are. And he's saying, This is not who I am. This is what's in my hand. I'm a shepherd. He fell into the trap that many of us fall into sometimes. I'm guilty of falling into this trap. He allowed what he did to to define who he was when it really should be backwards, right? God wants who we are to define what we do. Did you catch that? He allowed what he did to define who he was, but God wants who we are to define what we do. It's why God asked him, what's in your hand? By the way, if God ever asked a question in the Bible, do you guys know he already knows the answer? Yeah, he wasn't asking it for his benefit. He was asking it for Moses' benefit. Look at, he was basically telling him, look at your hand. Look at the thing that you're holding on to that is identifying yourself. Staff was part of Moses' identity. And maybe it was also a reminder of what he wasn't in life at the time, right? Because he wasn't... He wasn't in the palace. He had tried to deliver his people, and now he was out in the wilderness being a shepherd. And God began to speak to him about his identity. And he really said to Moses, throw who you think you are on the ground. Throw what you think you are, what you you put your security in. Let go of it today. And when he picks it up, a miracle happens. While it's on the ground, a miracle happens. And so... Here's my questions to you about this. Where do you find your identity in life? What's the source of your security? Is it a title? Is it a paycheck? Is it a relationship? Is it a degree? Is it your last name? Is there something about your family that you find your security in? 
Nothing is wrong with those things if we're willing to throw it down for Jesus. If we find our security outside of Jesus, then we will have a false sense of security and identity. We have an identity crisis. I've been through this recently in my life. We went through a transition that has led us here, which we're so happy about. But for a lot of months, I was faced with the things that identified me for a lot of years. God was asking me to lay those things down. And it's kind of scary when you're used to holding something close and you identify with those things. You guys, anybody agree, understand what I'm saying today? There's some things that just, they're comfort in us. Our job, our roles in life, husband, father, mother, whatever it is, student, we hold those things close. And yet when we're called to let, throw them down and let God redefine them, it's a scary transition. It really was. I think the fact that it was represented by a snake should tell us how scary this could be sometimes when God says pick it up. But he wants us to be willing to find our identity in God first before anything else. We witness a supernatural thing. We witness a miracle, the first of many for Moses. Not just a stick transforming into a snake, but we find a shepherd before our eyes transforming into a leader. It's a transformation of identity. I love this. Later on in the chapter, Exodus 4.20, I think it's going to be on, the, on there for us. This, this is a verse that gives me chills a little bit. So Moses, this is after his interaction with God, Moses takes his wife and sons, he puts them on a donkey, heads back to the land of Egypt, and in his hand he carried the staff of God. Did you catch that today? No longer is it a shepherd's staff, but now it's a staff of God. And that staff comes into play in these chapters and beyond. So many times where God speaks to Moses and he says, lift up your staff. And miracles and wonders happen. Dan said it in the first message. We can do more when we put those things in God's hands than we do if we hold them tightly in ours. Staff of God. I love that verse. Second thing I want to talk to you about today. Love lifts our eyes off our circumstances. Love lifts our eyes off our circumstances. So the way that God shows up in power is nothing short of awesome here. It's so much about what God is doing here in these chapters about the plagues and the staffs. I've never really seen it like this before until I began to study for this message today. I didn't realize that what God was trying to communicate with all these wonders and all these terrifying plagues, he was trying to communicate who he was to his own people. Because somewhere along the way, they had forgotten that they belonged to God. If you know the story, this nation became a slave nation. For hundreds of years. And they had the mentality. And they did the thing that we do sometimes. Is that when circumstances come upon us. We focus on the circumstances instead of keeping our eyes on God. We let those things define who we are. They, and assign our value. How many know that circumstances can't be the things that which we get our values from? Feelings can't be the things of which we get our value from today. They allowed their circumstances to determine their self-worth, their value, and their identity. They were somebody else's property. I, I can't blame them. They were in a hard situation. They were not even really seen as real people. They were treated harshly. But what happened is what I just said. They allowed their identity to be assigned by Egypt instead of by God. 
what they needed to be reminded of and what we need to be reminded of is God determines who we are. At the end of the day, no matter what's going on in life, God determines who we are. Who I am is who God says I am. Not what my feelings say, not, what is, not what's happening to me, not what I have to respond to. Who I am is, what, is who God says I am. Do you guys agree with that today? Yeah, it's hard sometimes, though. And, and honestly, when we see the Israelites walk through this whole story, if you know the story of Moses, you know that they, they struggled with this. They struggled with identity all through this story. In fact, in the next chapters, when God, when God sends Moses to Pharaoh, Pharaoh makes it really harder on the Israelites. He makes their work harder. And they, even though they're excited in one moment that God's going to deliver them, the moment that it got harder for them, they say, Moses, why did you make it harder for us? Okay? As, as the armies are chasing them to the Red Sea and they're about to walk out of Egypt, the Israelites say, maybe we should go back. Right. When they're in the promised land, where they're, where they're, where, no, not the promised land, when they're on their way to there and they start complaining about being hungry. They, they do what we do sometimes. They focus, they get their eyes off God and they start to focus on their circumstances. So I don't blame them. I understand what they're going through. But you can see them struggling to come out of that mentality of being oppressed. Somewhere along the way, they forgot that they were God's people. And it's hard. Because they were in a place where God didn't seem like he was answering prayer or speaking to them. And I don't know if you've ever been there before when you're asking God to help you and deliver you. And yet it seems there's like a silent time. God's not doing anything. But we still have our call to keep our eyes on him. We cannot be slaves to our fear, our sin, our circumstances. And so God wanted to show them that he was going to fight for them that he hadn't forgotten, that they were the children of God. And today, good news is, he wants to do the same for us. So no matter what your circumstances are, maybe the thing that you can hear from me today is this. God wants to fight for you. God is fighting for you. You're his son. You're his daughter. He hasn't taken his eyes off of you. Help is on the way today. Don't let your circumstances dictate who you think you are. Your value, your identity as a son and daughter of God is not changed by what's happening around you. A.W. Tozer has one of my favorite quotes ever. It says, a low view of God is the cause of a hundred lesser evils. But a person with a high view of God is relieved of 10,000 temporal problems. In other words... If we think God is small in our life, it causes problems. But if we think God is big, it leads to answers. What is your view of God in your life today? Listen, I'm guilty more than anybody. Carrie's really good in my life to remind me. Sometimes I'll just come home and I'll say something ridiculous. I don't know what I'm doing. And Carrie say, you know what you're doing. You know who you are. We need people in our lives to do that. I'm thankful I have somebody that does that for me. Sometimes we just need to remind ourselves, keep our eyes. We have to take our eyes off our circumstances and put them back on God. And that's what God was trying to do for the Israelites today. Last one today, number three. Love lifts our lives up so we can change someone else's lives. Love lifts our lives up so we can make a difference. If you remember the first two messages... Moses is lifted out of the what? What's the first message? He's lifted out of the what? 
out of the river, right? He's lifted out of the waters. The second message is that he's God comes and speaks to him, and he's lifted out of the wilderness. And in this story, in this part of the story, he's lifted out of the wilderness into the palace. God gives him a platform, and a huge platform, before the king, before the pharaoh today. And here's what we need to know about the way God works, that in our testimonies, the way that God does it, the work, the healing he does in us, it's very rarely just for us. It's often he does it for us, but he does it so that we can share it with others. We are called to share what he's done for us to other people. And this is what Moses did. He literally, his identity was changed, and God gave him a platform to make a difference. He didn't just make a difference in Egypt, but he made a difference for God's people. What God did in Moses was for Moses, but it was also for the rest of the Israelites. And this is what God does for us, too. What he's doing in your life is not just so you can keep it quiet. It's so that you can make a difference in someone else's life. Do you agree with that today? Amen. Thank you, guys. This is why it was so important that he show Moses that Moses wasn't a shepherd anymore, that he was a leader. That he wasn't supposed to be defined by his past or his mistakes or what he did. God needed him to see him the way that he saw him. God sees you and me and all of us as sons and daughters. That's good news today. You guys are royalty in the kingdom of God. You're royalty. Carry yourselves this way. This is my charge to you today. Walk out of this place with your head held high and knowing who you are and who you belong to today. Your sons and daughters of the Most High God. Walk that way. Make a difference in your life. I, I have this theology that I believe that we, where we are in life is not a mistake. The job that you're on is not just a job. If you're a Christian, you call yourself a believer, you're there to make a difference for God. The neighborhood that you live in, Call yourself a Christian. You're not there by mistake. You might have picked out the house. You might have, you're making the payments on that, but God has you there for a reason because he needs you to be a light in that neighborhood. Do you guys agree? The family that you were born into, we can just go right down the line. What God is doing in your life is so that you can be his representative. The Bible talks about we're called to be ambassadors of heaven wherever we are. Well, there's a verse in Romans 8 that says the earth is groaning. For the manifestation, or for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God in the earth. We can make a difference right here in our community by just being who we're called to be. Knowing that we are who he says we are. It's an amazing thing. When my kids were young, we would play this game in our house. And the game was, how far can you go up the steps? And jump, and daddy will catch you. I don't know if dads have played this game. It's a lot of fun. It scares moms to death, and which makes us want to play it even more. But my kids, when I'm there, when they were younger, when I was there, they would just do almost anything I would tell them because they knew that I would protect them and take care of them. There was a trust between dad and child in my house, in the pool. Go ahead and just go ahead and jump in the deep end. Dad's right here. Mom's screaming on the sideline, you know, but... Go ahead, because dad's here. And that is a picture to me of how we operate or how we live our lives here on earth. We can take risks for the kingdom of God because of who we belong to today. Always want to thank, and Nick, you can come as we close today. We have communion here in just a moment, but we're going to pray again.
What if Moses, I always like to ask these questions, I think about when I read the Bible, what if Moses didn't pick up, or what if he didn't throw down the staff? What would have happened to Moses' life? God probably would have raised up somebody else, but Moses probably just would have went back to being a shepherd. He would have missed out on a lot of miracles and God working today. So I want to encourage you this morning to think about what are the things that you have touched with today, you have influence in. And just that call again to remind yourself that when I give those things to God, they're much more powerful. Miracles in his power happen than if I just hold on to them myself. What we saw in, in the plagues and these, and these things were supernatural things. And this is what God wants to do in our life every day. He wants to take the natural things we hold on to and we influence and put his super on top of it to give us supernatural things. That's how God works. Some, some reason he wants to partner with us, make a difference in people's lives. On your connection cards today, there's a couple questions, a couple responses. I'd love for you to pull that out today. And just in this next moment, I'd love for you to just ask God, which one of these things do I need to respond to? God, what are you talking to me about today? Are you talking to me about my identity? Do I need to be reminded of who I belong to? Who's my father in heaven? Do I, are there some things I need to throw down to him today? Think that I, I find my identity in, but maybe I need to, maybe I'm finding my identity in those things over God. Whatever it is today, would you take a moment and just ask God, to speak to you and have a moment here in this place where God talks to you about what's going on in your heart. Let's pray today. Jesus, thank you for this message today that we just hear, that we see in Moses' life. You called out the best in him. I pray today that those of us in this room that maybe we're stuck in an identity crisis, maybe we're stuck with our eyes on our circumstances today. I pray that we'll walk out of here living these lyrics today, that we're no longer slaves to our fear, our sin, our worries, but we will say that we are children of God. I pray that we'll live that this week. Wherever we go, we will carry that, Lord. We will walk in the royalty that you have paid for us as children of God and make a difference. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by this message. For more information about Life Tree, please check us out online at lifetreecc.com.